The year was 2008. The fantasy fans had enjoyed the last 10 years being knee-deep in Lord of the Rings movies and the Harry Potter series. But as those stories were coming to a close, a new era was coming. The dawn of the YA fantasy was here. The time of the wizard was over. The time of the horny vampire had begun. The story is Twilight. First published in 2005, Stephanie Meyer's story tells the drama of the young, innocent Bella Swan and brooding, dangerous vampire Edward Cullen, who, by the way, sparkles in the sunlight because vampires. By 2008, the books were being ravenously enjoyed by its target demographic, teenage girls, and since they are rife with disposable income, the movie was inevitable. Starring Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson as the cloud-crossed lovers, the film was an instant hit, and it spawned several sequels. Seen today, the film has a sincere yet undeniably campy style. The love of Bella and Edward was often mocked in pop culture. Maybe for good reason. But still, the filmmakers here clearly care about what they're saying, even if what they're saying drifts into the... Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. A cultural phenomenon when it first premiered, Twilight is an earnest yet campy film that, if anything, fascinates in spite or because of its indulgent storytelling. You're impossibly fast and strong. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. Your eyes change color. And sometimes you speak like like you're from a different time. You never eat or drink anything. You don't go out in the sunlight. How old are you? 17. How long have you been 17? A while. You know what you are. See it. Out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. This, uh, I'll just say it. This will be playing a few weeks later, but it'll probably be relevant in a few weeks. Please continue to wear your mask, everybody. Hey, there's a lot of good videos showing you the best way, and some of them with people singing. It, so Aww. if you really if you really feel weird about wearing a mask, you know, just, just go watch somebody sing about it. It really doesn't seem that hard afterwards. Exactly. And uh, if you have a reusable mask, remember to wash your mask regularly. Mm-hmm. And if you worry about not being able to breathe, just remember surgeons do it for 12-hour shifts. And remember that Ryan is a doctor, so take every word he says very seriously. I'm just saying that's common knowledge. That... If you ever Have you ever been seen a surgeon not wear a surgical mask? It's in the name. It's called surgical mask. It's not called not for surgery mask. It's surgical it's mask. It's not called, well, just I'm going to take it down below my nose during surgery sometimes mask. <laughs> Precisely. Mm. You know who needed a mask over her neck? 
Ellis. Oh, I guess she got bit on the wrist. Hold on, take two. You know, you know, <laughs> you know who needed a mask over her wrist? Bella Swan. Yeah, segue professionalism. <laughs> oh, Ryan, 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 Ryan. How good was it to see our good friend Robert Pattinson? Our Pats, our best friend, our our Pat pal. <laughs> He's my Pat pal. Um, okay, here's the thing. Let's put it on the record right this second, right now. We stake our reputation on this. Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are some of the finest actors of our generation. Bar none, they are some of the finest actors out there. This movie that we are looking at today is the exception to that. It does not show that. It does It does not show that. I think um, I, I think especially with, well, with, with both of them, but I, I liked actually most of what Pattinson was doing in this movie. I liked a little bit less of what Kristen Stewart was doing. She still like had some fine moments, I guess, but like it, it, She's a little bit younger than him as well. She's about five years younger than him. And there are just, there's not a lot of opportunities to shine in this movie. And I'm not just talking about walking out in the sunlight and sparkling. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy moly. Uh, I've, I've, like I said, I've only ever seen this movie as uh, the riff tracks. And I, 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 the whole movie, I just felt like I was saying this, the same things inside that they said outside. Uh, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> Like, okay, the armadillo disappears. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're not... Here, let's talk about the movie. We're watching the uh, classic YA fantasy movie, Twilight. Which, man, is it just emblematic of 2008, of like coming on the heels of Harry Potter and kind of the before the hunger games mm, mm-hmm. this is just the obvious stepping stone of where YA YA fantasy was and then divergent i never watched those movies um, no but this does feel a little closer to divergent in in tone i guess i would say right or filmmaking yeah but it makes total sense that um we got twilight we got harry potter and i think that like set the stage of what like fantasy of our generation could be thanks anytime and what would be and what will be and then this is the obvious like targeted demographic demographic offshoot of like for the young teenage girl this is the fantasy like this is where fantasy is going that's also like a bodice ripper for teenage girls it is it's it's so much like um the relationship in this movie is so much of what young teens think romance like a deep romance is at times like mm-hmm. i don't know if you were ever in bella swan's shoes ryan but um did you just hope that somebody because here's the thing i i don't like this movie i don't think it's a well-made movie but <laughs> The um, the beauty of this is when Bella was like very much longing for this dangerous, meaningful relationship. I got that as as a high yeah. schooler. I really wanted my relationship to mean something. Didn't matter what it was, but I I personally couldn't relax into having just a good time. <laughs> 
I was like, this needs to be, this needs to be one for the ages, lady I'm dating. <laughs> we need to be in love. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it made sense in that respect. Yeah, this movie has my grudging respect. Yeah, mine too. I think it's a, paradoxically, somehow a far better film in a lot of ways than To All the Boys I Loved Before. But... (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'm I'm right there with you. There's this, and I think it, it all comes down to the the kind of swing you're taking. What this movie isn't is basic. It is poorly made in a lot of respects. And a lot of the characters are basic, but it, it's like, it's like, um, (laughs) it's, it's like 2008 said, look, I don't know what emo is, but I really want to try it. (laughs) I really want to try it out. And so it walked into the school, the school being the film industry. And it was just like, Hey, I'm different now and I am I got emotions and I'm going to tell you about my emotions and you're like, "Well, high school was boring, so this kind of gave me something for a day." My emotions. My emotions. <laughs> well, the movie as a production, um I really like like if you subtracted the script, if you turned the volume off, yeah, and you didn't listen to the characters talk. I actually really like how this movie looks. Me too. I mean, it's it's pretty cold for the most part. They really like lean hard into that Western Washington atmosphere um, with the color palette. But like the 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 actual cinematography and the way it's all framed up is pretty good. I think the editing needs a lot of work. Um, yeah. But like, I almost had a. I'm glad I don't have like tendencies towards epilepsy in that first deer chase scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, overall, I think if you, it, it would be a movie, if you turned off the script, it would be even more a movie of people just mooning at each other 24-7. Yeah. But it it would look good. Yeah, and, and uh, let's uh, let's give credit where it's due. It's directed by Catherine Hardwick, um, who's, you know, she burst on the scene with her indie film 13, which is supposed to be a really intense indie film and she's done some other um you know better received films uh after this and she's a good she she clearly is a good filmmaker like i think the the tools that Catherine is using in this film is what we were missing from to all the boys i love before we're yes. like move your camera like move your people like do something Granted, I, I mean yes i i agree with you but there were so many times where the camera was moving for no reason in this movie sure like where sure. where they were like sweeping across the edge of a bridge just to show a car coming across a, a bridge and or like when uh <laughs> when bella is finally like you're cold and you know you you don't come out in the sunlight you're a vampire and they're having that conversation in the forest there's so many weird movements where they like get really high in the tree and start drifting down to them then they'll get high in a tree and drift down to them from a different angle Mm -hmm. but it is more interesting to do that and fail than what to all the boys i loved before did and failed yeah and i i would be willing to be like I would love to hear a film critic, like a staunch film critic, just come out and be like, here's why it's a masterpiece and like make their case. Yeah, and I'd like, love to hear that. Do a, a read of it and like explain why the camera moves the way that it moves. Because you and I were like, uh, we don't get the motivation for why the camera moves. But I could 
I could see someone defending the moves I, for some I reason. I had this thought that maybe, maybe every camera move needed just a little bit more emotion to give the emotion to the scene that like Bella and every, every kid who really loved this movie that was a little younger than her would be like, Oh, I see how important this is in this moment because you're drifting that camera. Like it's being carried by a drunk Raven. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, Well, okay. The other person who is highly involved in this um, was Melissa Rosenberg who um, you might best know from Jessica Jones um, being, Jessica Jones, being a producer Jessica on that Jones. show. And she's also a writer. She wrote this uh, or adapted Wait, it, Wait, was she the showrunner of Jessica Jones? Um, she was the creator or one of the creators of, I want to say, Dexter. Um, mm. And I don't know if she was the showrunner. I don't know. But um, she's she's done good things since this. And so I think... This movie was in capable hands, but I think going back to like what Catherine Hardwick does with the camera, I think this is what you get with a bored director and a bad script. Um, You know, nothing against Melissa Rosenberg and what she did with script. It's just kind of like the whole intent behind the story being told. Like we as adults really understand it now. It's like, nope, it's basic YA fable bodice ripper stuff. And there's no bodices even ripped. (laughs) There is a very specific thing that it wants to do, and it doesn't want to break the mold mm-hmm. per se. It doesn't want to do anything special other than like the genre combination that was like really cool in the early aughts of like it's gonna be like coming of age, but it's also got vampires and it's got this like mystery element like a Harry Potter book does. Which I love because Buffy is one of my favorite shows of all time. What are you doing here? Five what? words or less out for a walk bitch part of the script's problem um and i was like i have seen this movie eight times just with people making fun (laughs) of it in the background and now this time when i watched it and was really paying attention to the script there are so many details in this movie that feel like they were ripped right from the pages of the book where stephanie meyer was like no i need you to mention the the cobbler the cobbler is important because it'll give life to this scene and um like uh, for instance and i go with me here but ryan why do you think bella swan uh one of the most one of the only people who misses arizona that badly before leaving it um no offense arizona um (laughs) why do you think she carried her cactus all the way into her dad's house she so walk with me in bella's shoes for a second she has a cactus i don't know if you noticed this um when she leaves Arizona, when she's in the car with her dad, and then when she gets to her dad's house. And track with me what Bella must have done through security, on the plane, in the car, to get a cactus all the way from Arizona to Washington. You can't put a cactus in a box. It'll poke little pokey things. It'll break Okay, out. so let's carry it with us. What happens when turbulence happens, Ryan? Oh my oh, gosh. Right. Like... I think you're really overthinking this movie. No, but that's what... I think you're asking the wrong questions that the movie doesn't want you to ask. No, but what this movie does is it says, like, she has a totem that she really cares about Arizona. Um, And so she carries with her, like, the whole time at the beginning of this movie, a cactus. It's simple. It doesn't matter. But 
it was representative of me of like like something that might have made sense in a book but probably didn't translate to screen very well yeah, again, I think you're you're thinking too critically about this movie. <laughs> the movie Maybe. is asking you not to think critically about itself. Okay, so like that one time when Bella walks in the room and um, <laughs> Edward sees her and a piece of paper like flips up like the wind just caught it. I'm not supposed to infer that he got a huge boner. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the, the, the answer to the question is whatever it's, is that Occam's razor? Like whatever the simplest explanation is the explanation of, of what you're looking at. I think this is a movie that knows there is no depth. Like everything is surface level. And the dialogue is the most obvious part of that is that it's, it's super, uh, like there's no, there's no subtlety. Like there's just like, I'm a, literally people are saying like, I'm a vampire and I want to eat you mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> just like there's no, there's no Tarantino esque like playfulness to it. There's no like, there's no lamp shading to anything. There's no whatever. It's all just on the surface and more than to all the boys I love before. This really is a movie made for a 13 year old teenage girls. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, well, okay, let's talk about the story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Uh, you got Bella Swan. She is a um, girl who loves the heat, and she's living with her uh, mom, who's divorced um, but remarried to Phil, a baseball player in Arizona. They're going on tour because he's in like AAA baseball and she has to go live with her dad in Forks, Washington, the rainiest place in the world. Um, and that's where she goes to school and then meets Edward, a vampire. Um, and he... I love how pedestrian you are about it. <laughs> Who's, who's a, vampire? a vampire and he hangs out with a vampire family, but he's a vegetarian vampire, which doesn't mean he doesn't eat meat. It just means he doesn't eat human. Um, well, I guess he doesn't eat meat. He just drains the the blood of the innocent um, forest animals. <laughs> and then uh, they, they kind of moon at each other and f- like kind of awkwardly fall in love over the course of an hour and a half. And then um, as soon as she kind of like makes her way into his family and they're kind of cool dating, this badass um, looking like uh, somebody who got fired from Creed um, vampire <laughs> likes um, decides that he wants to hunt her because Edward really loves her. And uh, then they run away. And then at the end of the movie, Edward saves her and they go to prom together. And that's a movie. And he kisses her. And neck. he kisses her neck instead of biting her. She really wants to become a vampire, but he's like, there's stuff there's stuff to live for in this world. Is it not enough just to have a long and happy life with me? Nah, nah girl. Nah, nah. Oh, and then there's, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Taylor Lautner. Um, Who, uh, I'm sorry, is really good in this he movie. He is fantastic. <laughs> I, like him and uh, honestly him and Robert Pattinson. I was like, I can watch you. I just watch a movie with you two right now. <laughs> 
and I wonder what happened to Taylor Lautner. I think he's doing some show in England right now. Like I saw, I keep seeing him on BBC like, promos. I want to so see I'm him like, in okay. more movies. Yeah, I remember he had a lot of. Um, they they tried to make him a star, and it didn't go super great. Um, he had a lot of starring vehicles, and it's just interesting that Robert Pattinson didn't go the way that Hollywood wanted him to go either. That he took a more Christian Bale approach he, to things. He's like, I'm not doing more of this. I'm doing something completely. I think different. it'd be really cool to see Taylor Lautner in uh like character roles and see him work his way into his own kind of star power the kind of the way robert pattinson did where robert pattinson did lead um a couple vehicles but like nothing huge um and then you would see him pop up in like uh la city z and Mm -hmm. it just like built everybody's confidence in the fact that he's such a good actor and now he's batman Mm -hmm. and i feel like taylor lautner could do the same thing he seems he seems to have the chops for it yeah Definitely. I'm, I mean, we haven't seen his other starring roles, so sure. I mean, yeah, this is this is all us going on like ten minutes it's a speculation <laughs> off of a, a role he had in two thousand eight. But still, we very good job. Like uh, these guys got a lot of flack for being in these movies in the first place. And I re- do you remember just out of cultural? There was hate. You just hated it just by like, well, I'm of this demographic. So I can't accept it as a thing that exists. I would just be against it. I think it was a thing that was easy to hate because it was so popular. Like, um, but I was just talking to um, my sister-in-law and she went and read for like an alt school where kids had dropped out of high school and they were like trying to uh, go to alternative high school. And um, some of them couldn't read and, but they all wanted to be in on twilight they were all like 14 years old and they were like there's this twilight thing like i don't care about reading but i really want to know what everybody's talking about and so she led a a book club for these young girls and bought them all books and they Mm -hmm. all read this 400 page novel um and loved it and then like like it was kind of a gateway to them talking about all their problems apparently so it spoke it spoke to a generation (laughs) yeah and i haven't read the book uh sarah read the book out of sheer curiosity and she's like no it's not not very good um and she's read a lot of ya stuff and man was she trashing the movie hard last night (laughs) when we were watching it and i was like i need you to quiet down because i'm actually trying to pay attention to this robin came in and she started like laughing at one of the better moments and i was like no no, okay stop 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 i'm actually like this is something i'm into right now like slow down (laughs) again it's weird this movie just is like commanding your grudging respect and i think it's because it's so earnest about mm-hmm, itself mm-hmm. that it's it's not trying to apologize for being so cheesy it's just like ah screw it we just we're gonna just have a weird vampire climbing trees scene just have you ever we're gonna just have you ever it. gone to see somebody read poems and they just like like in english class where they just couldn't give a crap about it where they're just like, oh, mm-hmm. this fucking like, and so they go the the completely insincere route, and they start like smiling at everybody in the class, and they're just like reading it sarcastically. Mm-hmm. It's I I would much rather watch somebody read poetry badly but mean it than watch that person get up and read poetry. And I think this movie is that. It's not good poetry, but it, they really mean it. Okay, okay. I think you and I 
I'm going to try and see if I can get you to be on my side about this. I am on your side, it sounds like. You and I, and it, like, uh, basically, our contemporaries, when these movies came out, we were a little bit older than the target audience, but we they were still engaging with it. The girls that we knew were still kind of engaging with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in England when the book came out, and, like, like I remember us, like, all the girls were kind of like, I'm, I'm interested in what this is. They didn't like it, but they were at least interested. It was more like our friends' little sisters yeah. were like obsessed mm-hmm. with it, and our friends would like tag along, but they wouldn't be against yeah. it. But they 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 would be the ones taking their little sisters to the movie theater to see the sure. movie. But they would go in and they would watch it and they would enjoy it. <laughs> um, I think we have a similar property with Star Wars: Attack of the Clones, which is also rife with just. Terrible dialogue. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft. And smooth. Indefensible dialogue. But there's a passion behind the making of that movie. And I love Attack of the Clones. And I will... I will watch it at least once a year. And I think it's such a fun movie. I have so many filmmaking quibbles with it. And there's so many things that like hurt my brain to hear certain patches of dialogue coming out of Hayden Christensen's (laughs) mouth. But I still love the crap out of that movie. And I love watching it. And I think that's kind of what you have with Twilight. You know what? I I am going to firmly come down uh, against anybody who would argue with you because I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you... Do you agree in the sense of like it's kind of the yeah. same thing of like Attack of the Clones is to boys as Twilight is to girls? Mm, yeah, I mean, culturally, sure. I, c- culturally, sure. Because again, boys could like Twilight and girls could like Attack of the Clones, and girls do like Attack of the Clones, and boys do like Twilight. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. Like this, they they at least seem like um, similar cultural peaks where. Maybe mm-hmm. the quality isn't Oscar worthy, but the almost the mystique and the intrigue and like the 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 hormones of these movies like yeah. coincided perfectly with the people they were meant to. Yeah, because when Attack of the Clones came out, I remember definitely. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to be uh, falling in love with uh, Natalie Portman? So I was definitely relating to Hayden Christensen, and I, I can see why everybody wanted to fall in love with uh, Lautner and Pattinson. Yeah, and their their depiction is very. I keep saying bodice ripper. Is there a better like term? But it's very. I, I think genre Byronic hero. They're not actual Byronic heroes, but they're Byronic heroes for genre fiction. Yeah, I mean they're. They're pop heroes, I think we can call them. Well, I mean, Forrest Gump is a pop hero. Like, give me, give me more specific. Well, um, they like they're they're basically. Remember when Aaron Carter was a huge thing, right? Right. Like, I mean, he is approachable, slightly dangerous, but like, but untouchable as well, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like these, like Bella Swan. Uh, let's let's kind of call this for what it is. She's almost a chosen one for Edward. Right. Because she's the only person that he can't read the mind of. And so she's the only one 
who is going to get Robert Pattinson. And as, as a young teenager who could be in love with Robert Pattinson, you would have to say, ah, well, I know I'm not going to get there, but this, because like only Bella could, but right. this book is allowing me to be in her shoes and still, still be safe from all those vampires. Yeah. And there's something of like, he's dangerous, literally dangerous. Like that's the whole thing about this movie. Everything's literal about it, which I think is not, not a bad way to go about it. It's just very basic. Uh, and again, that's, that's okay. Um, but he's literally very dangerous and there's something about their relationship where he's taming her and only Bella can tame her. And wait, wait, wait. as I am told, her? taming okay. him, sorry, excuse me, taming him, only Bella can tame him. And as I'm told by my wife constantly, when I always question the, this type of relationship, she's like, oh yeah, teenage girls, that is the fantasy where there's the bad boy and only, only I can be the one who can get through to mm-hmm. him. And he's only going to open up to me. He won't open up to anyone else. He'll only open up to me and maybe I can change his, his wicked ways, but he will always be sweet and gentle and tender and whatever. And this is, he won't rip my throat the, out. <laughs> and this is where I am like, I hear you. I understand you. But I still hate Jess from Gilmore Girls. I think that guy can go die. <laughs> wow. And she's like, um, okay, I'm sorry, Jess. You don't need hey, to die. Hey, I just watched a season six episode with Jess in it. And he's like running a, a poetry printing press. And you know what? He's doing great. So you lay off. Uh, what team are you on now? Uh, Logan just left. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, just, end, I just finished season six. I, uh, verdict's out. I'm I'm still partway between Jess and Logan. Yeah, um, because um, what's his name? The other guy, the first guy, Dean. He loses it. He loses yeah. it. He just, Dean lost. He Dean lost it, it in season three. He lost it. Yeah, sorry, Dean. You were you were great season one. You were adorable, but Ugh. Dean is Dean is such a uh, uh, Mike. Is Mike the name of the spiky haired guy in this movie? Okay, let's get back to talking about this movie because. Um, Wait, before you do, I just want to reiterate Team Logan, baby. <sighs> Logan's Team Logan. Um, let's just talk a little bit about the the romance. Like this, this movie isn't funny at all. It's 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 a romance fantasy film, um, and the romance between Bella and Edward um, is is one of the most. It's one of the most forced things that I might have seen on screen ever. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and I like what the film is trying to tell me is he really, really wants to eat her, but he's also fascinated by her. But he's giving a, like all these mixed signals because like not biting her is making him look like he's going to throw up on her. Um, and <laughs> that shot <laughs> where the fan yeah. goes uh, and her hair and he's just and like. He just <laughs> <laughs> and the riff tracks of <laughs> see that riff tracks is more memorable than this movie it's so good i highly recommend it to anybody but out there it, um i don't know what Catherine hardwick told him but it, it to me he's just saying i'm gonna throw I'm gonna up. throw up just just hold on and and she like even checks herself to see if she smells and like that's what i'm saying like that was probably in the book she was probably like if we got her interior monologue she was like 
what is this guy staring at me for? Like, do I smell? This is like my first day in school. This sucks. Um, but their romance like starts off on a bad note where she's just like, what? Why does this guy hate me? But she's also kind of like super attracted to him because he's a vampire. Right. But also she gets obsessed with him. Like he's just was at school one day and then he's not. And then she's just like, why, why is he gone? Why is this person that I saw once gone for a week? And she just starts obsessing over him. And then by the end of the movie, after they've gone through all of this stuff together, he's like, look, you should go to Jacksonville. You shouldn't be around me anymore because obviously it's super dangerous being around me. He's trying to be like a responsible 100 year old. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, no. How? I don't even know what you're saying. How? What are you? What are you talking about? You, you want me to go away? I, I, I can't. No, I, I can't. I can't just leave you. I know. We can't be apart. You can't leave me. Which is very high school, and it's very true, but it's not representative of a healthy relationship. I have, oh. I have been in that relationship before, where somebody, where, like, the conversation came up, like maybe we shouldn't be together like maybe maybe this is a sign that we shouldn't be together and like if you leave me i i don't know what i'll do i'll die or something and it's it gets so dramatic and it's like man it doesn't seem like a solid base for a relationship yeah so like i think this is firmly low art well and what i want to ask is is it good for kids no i i don't like not in the puritanical moralistic sense like is this good for kids to see but can the 13, 14, 15 year olds who really gravitated towards this movie see this movie and make sense of this relationship and see it as, I mean, they're not like this movie's not trying to say like, this isn't healthy. <laughs> this movie's trying to say like these two are meant for each other. They're just kind of working on it. Right. Um, so what is good about film today is that they're no longer making movies like twilight. They're making movies like, to all the boys I loved before, which if I had to like let my son when he becomes a teenager pick one. To all the boys I loved before. I would want him to pick that because it's like, okay, that's good for your brain. Mm-hmm. It's not stellar filmmaking and it's not super entertaining. And it won't make you feel a lot. Yeah. But Twilight is Mountain Dew and a big old pepperoni pizza. Like it is junk food. It is not good for you. <laughs> It is just bad but for you. But it's more entertaining. It is. And that's what junk food is. It's like, oh, no, God, no. Like, don't don't come to this for nutrition. <laughs> um, I'm not team... Okay, sorry. What's Taylor Lautner's character's name again? He's, he's in this movie. So Jacob. Jacob. I'm not team Edward or team Jacob at the end of this movie. Are you? Um, I don't... I don't know if you were supposed to be at the end of this movie. I think that... Is a part of the, the second, second film. film. Okay. I think. Because I, I, I like Edward. And I like, can I just say, all the vampires, good actors. Good actors, cool fam. I'd be a part of that fam. Yeah, there's something campy about all of their performances where it's like, good on you. Yeah. You guys just went you for really it. You really went for it. And I think pretty much they nailed it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like watching uh, the filmed theater version of Cats where it's like, okay, you're just... <laughs> It's like really in your face and it's not supposed to be in your face because you're supposed to be a hundred feet from the stage, not five feet from their face. But, uh, okay, there you go. Good for you. But like, uh, Edward, Edward and her, um, like meet the family and they play baseball and stuff. And I'm like, 
You know what? If they didn't have to deal with like extra vampirical drama with like the, the, the hunter that comes after them, I could see this working. But then at the same time, Jacob seems cool. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good enough love triangle that they, they did a good job setting the stage where were I to watch the sequel. And I don't know if we're supposed to watch the sequels for this podcast. It's on our list. We will someday. Uh, (laughs) Um, But you know what? I am morbidly curious to see where it goes. I am secretly, (laughs) and I guess not anymore, excited about it. (laughs) That's the thing. That's where where it's just, again, grudging respect. Good job. You made us want to watch the sequel. I don't really care what happens with Peter and uh, Laura Jean. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, well, they'll be fine because they're both good people and everything will be fine there. But with this world, I'm just like, man, it could break bad. <laughs> I want to see what yeah, happens. It's like to all, to all the boys I love before is like your vegetarian lean cuisine where it's like, it's not doing anything great, but it's not going to be bad for you. But this is, this is your, this is your big pizza, not a slice of pizza. This is a full pizza pie and a, and, and a two liter. And your tummy milk. is not going to feel great afterwards. <laughs> But man, it's going to feel good while you're doing it. Um, I I think the biggest thing where I, the respect still happens is the, the movie is low art and the point of low art is to indulge your fantasy. There is nothing else to it. And we see this like in the guys genre of movies, this is like your shitty action movies, not, not well done action films like, Die Hard or The Matrix, not like these well-crafted action films. I'm saying shitty action movies that were on TBS at three in the morning. The acting's bad, the the writing's bad, the dialogue's horrible. But probably didn't but... have as good a production as this film. Like I'm not I'm not saying that this film was executed well. I'm just saying this film had a lot of money. Sure. I, uh, my 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 main point is though, like. This is there's nothing new about Mm-mm. this. It's just it's just indulging the lowest fantasy. And what we're seeing is someone came along and was like, what does a 14 year old girl dream about? And it's this is the fever dream of a 14 year old girl. Yeah. And I think that's um, most encapsulated by the scene where they're hanging out and he he's like taken her. He's taken her through his house and on a on a trip up some trees because he's super powerful. Um, and then we get kind of a weird montage. It's not even a montage. It's a dream sequence where he's playing her the piano. And Sarah was just blowing raspberries <laughs> for three minutes straight at that scene. But like where it, it's painful guys. Like it's, it's one of those scenes where you can't watch it straight faced and shed a tear at how beautiful it is. It's like the opposite of that. But at the same time, when I was 13, if I had fallen in love with like a slightly older girl who played the piano for me in a dark room and I could just moon at her, I heck, I'd do that today. Like, like it's yeah. something I wouldn't say no to. Like, yeah, please. It, it's it is, weird it is, filmmaking, it but it is certainly fulfilling. That's it's indulging the fantasy and it's not trying to do anything else. That's why it's firmly in the low art camp. And I'm, I'm just kind of saying God love you. I mean, <laughs> you know what you want to yeah, be. Yeah, that's true. But like, I mean, the the certain things that I can't forgive this movie for are like the hot Google action that we get where 
we, we just get to watch her Google something or we get to yeah. watch her pay for a book that we don't. There's just so I would like to make an hour and a half cut of this movie that would just be would be I mean, it would be missing stuff like that. It would cut out a lot of the high school boys because the high school girls in this were great. I liked them, actually. Um, you had Anna Kendrick and you had oh she's so she's good, so in this good. Movie. um and like the other reporter friend i don't know her name um but the boys in this movie couldn't get the bla- blood drained from them fast enough like like <laughs> um what's his name but um, you gotta admit like as an ensemble Catherine hardwick does a really good job of like depicting teenage social circles especially in small town washington yeah no it looks that, like small town washington for sure and that's how that is how teenagers you and i both know this is how teenagers acted in small town washington it i mean in a manner of speaking but like there are there are parts of this movie that don't make a lot of sense like when um the kid comes up to her and um, what's his name? Uh, the actor, uh, Justin Chan, uh, he he plays one of her friends uh, who asks her or tries to ask her to prom first. <laughs> and he mm-hmm. he like shows up when she, uh, like she's touches school ground and he's like, you're the new kid. We're going to do a special on you. And she's like, oh, no, that wouldn't be good. And then like when her friend comes up later or his friend comes up on the paper later on and takes her picture he's like teacher's dead angela don't bring it up again it's okay i just i I got your back baby and he like walks away and and it's just like he's he's also 20 he he was born in 1981 so he was like 27 in this movie compared to um uh kristen stewart's 18 and so like when they show up next to her i'm like you're way older than she is (laughs) but it doesn't make sense the way he acts like like why is he overreacting so much to this um and like i get that like high schoolers can be weird and overreact but like in the manner of a second he gets mad at her for doing something some guy runs up and kisses bella out of nowhere like i know it was like assault like Like, not only assault but she's the new girl at school there's no way somebody who doesn't even know her name yet who doesn't know her walks up and runs up and t- calls her Bella, kisses her and runs away. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe in kindergarten, yeah, maybe in kindergarten that would happen. Um, but spiky haired Mike guy, he makes sense to me. He's such a dweeb and he is such a, like, he's such a high schooler. He like, the, I guess they all kind of made sense, but man, it was painful. The weakest, the weakest scenes were with the high school boys. Yeah, for sure. Cause they were, it was like the most pedestrian. And even me, I'm going like, come on, get to the vampires. Me too. Like, I wanted to more vampires. More um, and like, like the scene at the, um, at the greenhouse where he's like, look at, look at the, look at the worm. Huh? Isn't it funny? Huh? The yeah. worm. And it's just like, yeah. Why okay. is this in here guys? Um, so the, like, uh, the plot that leads to the finale of this movie is that there are some other vampires that have come onto the turf of the um what are what's the surname of our Collins of the Collins they're the Montagues of this situation right and so now they're these vampires that come in I thought their introduction was so monster of the week oh yeah for right? sure like they're walking through the 
Uh, well, their introduction, you mean, when they, they kill the worker? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Monster of the Week. <laughs> like, that is how every episode of Supernatural starts. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, um, they're kind of flitting. You can't really see all of them. And then they kill somebody mysteriously. They also, vampires in this movie jump weird. And they also yeah. face off weird, where they're like, we have to bend. We have to arch our arms out as if we're Nosferatuing around. Yeah. And I'm, I'm good with it. Like, it reminds it's campy, me of campy, but I... Yeah. Yeah, it is right? very Cats-like, yeah. Um, where that's why I think that Cats has its enduring, like, people love it so much is because, like, Cats is so impassioned and so weird. Um, and I feel like this movie is impassioned and weird and the vampires act the way that they act and you can't explain why, but it's sure. just kind of like, all right. Right. Um, and, like, that bleeds over also into stuff like when she's walking through... Uh, Port Angeles is that the city that they go to yeah she's just walking around and then two guys see her and immediately start like stalking her to molest her apparently and then she runs into other guys that apparently know the other guys but were coming from a completely different direction had no idea that she was there and said oh there you are suddenly fell into West Side Story like yeah (laughs) and and like none of like none of these other guys knew she was even coming, but they're like, ah, oh, there you are. Now we're going to totally rape you. And it's like, again, this is, this is the fever dream of a 14 year old girl. Exactly. Where she's it's like, ah, like, oh, danger. Yeah. She's dreaming of her crush. And so she creates a scenario. We do this too. When we were, when we were 14 years old, where I'm going to be in this dangerous situation and my crush would come and save me mm-hmm. and he would drive away these stupid guys and I would just be alone with him. And you and I would do the same thing where you know, when you would go on vacation with your family and you would fantasize about, you know, there would be this really cute girl and you would like run off and like hang out exclusively with her. Like those were my fantasies sure, when yeah, we were in yeah. Cannon Beach. No, like, totally. I'm like, oh, I could just see her walking around this corner and then I could just run away. The, I think the difference here is that um, in this, as you've called it multiple times, bodice ripper um, fantasy, it's the damsel in distress fantasy that you're all you want to do is kind of be saved by, by somebody who will take care of you, which, you know, if we were getting psychoanalytical, she's a child of divorce who keeps getting pushed back and forth. She just wants somebody to come be there for her, but I don't know. We can leave that alone. Um, but I, I think this, this movie is very much her being saved by this dark, dangerous boyfriend. And from what I understand, she becomes more of an agent in and of herself and she becomes stronger when she becomes a vampire. I don't know, but it did seem a little bit like, oh, I can't wait to be the the damsel of distress. And I think if we had any women on the podcast with us right now, they might also have something to say about that. I don't know, though. That's why I'm strangely curious to watch the sequels, because I remember the marketing making it look like she had a lot more to do in the sequels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the first Harry Potter, and I'm trying to think of how much Harry Potter acts as opposed to reacts and i feel like a lot of harry potter one until the third act is him reacting to the world that is being thrust at him it is i mean there are moments like when malfoy takes neville's blood ball um he (laughs) harry's like ah i'm gonna go take that back and it's an active choice he is reacting to something but it is an active choice where he's like I'm going to make a decision here. And I think that's the point where it kind of changes for him. Yeah. But like, follow me here. Harry, I, I just want to fact check myself. Is this what's happening? Harry Potter 
stuck in a crappy situation. Sure. Hagrid shows up and that's, so that's something that happens to Harry. Sure. Hagrid whisks him out of that situation. Hagrid takes him to Diagon Alley. He doesn't make choices. Um, You're right. Harry just kind of observes everything. And that's kind of the joy of the first Harry Potter is like, you get introduced to this magnificent yeah, world. He, he's our proxy. And throughout the school, he just kind of like, is just getting the ropes of the wizarding world. Sure. Of just like, I, and he gets foisted into Quidditch. He's like, I guess I'm going to play Quidditch now. It's not like he saw Quidditch. He's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to become a Quidditch player. It's just kind of like, Harry, you're going to play Quidditch now. He's like, okay. Yeah. McGonagall comes and finds him. He's like, oh, I'm in trouble. And she's like, no, you're going to play Quidditch. Here's Major Wood. Yeah. And it's not until the end where they, where him and Hermione and Ron want to go do something about it. They, they take action. So I feel like Twilight, it's just a lot of her, just being thrust into the world of vampires and part sure. of it's just being chased around and, you know, observing Edward Cullen be Edward Cullen. I, and I think um, the reason why this movie, I mean, it's, it's a little bit more for adults and it's a little, it's not as interesting of a world. No, I mean, it is not as interesting of a world as Harry Potter. Like there's just less to be interested in because the only thing she's really interested in and gets introduced to is edward and like yeah. the other vampires that are the same as edward except they can't read minds but as i recall um the from the from the marketing is that the mythology gets exponentially bigger because jacob's like some wolf thing and um he, he is he's a werewolf 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 there what werewolf there castle why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. There is some kind of like society where um, it's like the Vatican it's in Italy. for vampires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, uh, <laughs> again, more really curious. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to see where it will go. Yeah. Well, um, do you want to watch the trailer for this one? Yeah, let's watch yeah. the trailer. Okay. Possibly fast and strong. You gotta give me some answers. I'd rather hear your theories. I have considered radioactive spiders and kryptonite. It's all superhero stuff, right? What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the bad guy? You know what you are. Your skin is hell white and ice cold. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. This isn't real. This kind of stuff just doesn't exist. It does in my world. So I just want to try one thing. I don't know how long I've waited for you. What is going on? Security guard at the mill got killed by some kind of animal. An animal? My family, we're different from others of our kind. You brought a snack. 
What, now he's coming after me? The hunt is his obsession. He's never gonna stop. I'd rather die than to stay away from you. He's got unparalleled senses, absolutely lethal. I'll do whatever it takes to make you safe again. You're faster than the others. But not stronger. I'm strong enough to kill you. You are my life now. Fuck yeah! Um, damn, that looks like a good movie. Yeah, like, uh, like, like I really, like I was saying before, you cut you cut the fluff off of this film, and it's it looks pretty good. It does. It looks more of a non girly movie than it was. Of just like it's a cool action movie, guys. Yeah, they really marketed it more more of the action than the mooning. There's about an hour of mooning that. Um, yeah that they don't imply <laughs> i don't think it accurately represents what the movie actually is no no it doesn't um but that's okay but like the integral parts of the film also this 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 movie is if uh we're both from the pacific northwest this was shot in the pacific northwest this movie is pacific northwest porn for oh, sure yeah. like most of this movie is saying look how big the trees are and how like nice the lakes are you like it you like it? Yeah, Bella has a line where she's like, I don't like it when it's cold and cold wet. And, wet. and I'm and like, are you serious? I love it. Give I, me a cup of coffee and a nice paperback. Come not only on. that, but she's really not going to like sex with Edward then. <laughs> um. So the uh, I'm also morbidly curious to read the book because the movie has this antagonist of like, uh, you know this guy who looks like a child molester james <laughs> he really um, does it's like don't let him near Escobar, please <laughs> yeah and he like i was trying to get at earlier they have this setup this monster of the week setup where it's like oh there's these bad vampires who are eating people and they're not vegetarians can, can we call it how it is normal vampires normal vampires they're vampires yeah vampire <laughs> um and they just kind of show up. Why? Because the plot demands it. Mm-hmm. Um, they they only show back up because of baseball. Yeah, they just kind of show up to this baseball game. Why? The plot demands it. Um, they have a problem with the Cullens because they're vegetarian vampires, and that kind of ruffles their feathers. I mm, guess. No, it really doesn't. Like that never comes up. They. They have no reason to have a problem with the Collins. The Collins have a reason to have problems with them. And the leader, is his name Jacques? I don't know. Um, he doesn't really have a problem with them. It's just James because he's kind of a kind of a dick. Yeah, he's so he's 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 the anti-Edward Cullen, where he's just a predator and he there's no romance. He's just dangerous, right? And he's he's much more the guys that we see in Port Angeles, but with power. Yeah, and and so he's the movie eventually just kind of is like, oh, um, by the way, he's the antagonist of this movie, and you're just kind of like sitting there, you're like, oh, okay, because for uh, sixty minutes, it's just kind of like now the story of Edward and Bella, and then it realized it needed a third act, and so it's just like, oh, uh, bad vampire, 
Yeah. Here's and the, I, is that that third act where he shows up? It's like 20 minutes long, right? Yeah. And I, I've got a feeling that the book probably does it better. I have to imagine the book is better than this movie. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't see myself reading it, but you never know. Hey, Ryan, if you wanted to, if you wanted to do like a dive into the book and just do an ep on it, I'd do it with you. Okay. I'm, I'm maybe saying right here, right now, recorded for yeah, life. Maybe maybe throw the book in, on the list just to make that list grow. And okay. uh, watch, we're going to get it next week. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Um, but I, I, I get the sense from the platonic form of what the story was or should have been is that this predator guy was just kind of present more present throughout the book and we got a sense of like bella has a line of men she's got these stupid high school boys she's got edward but she also has this predator guy and he's always just kind of a threat out there and the book just i'm hoping the book kind of like just slowly thrusts the antagonist more and more into the plot until that baseball game where it's like okay here we are because the movie kind Kind of does does, but but it's always kind of in the background like we don't care about it like they we see the threat of them of like they're causing trouble by killing people it's like what does that have to do with bella nothing it has nothing to do with bella other than it's an inconvenience to her town it's it it gives her dad something to do yeah but it doesn't impact her personal life until makes him cry into his mustache yeah it doesn't do anything to bella until that baseball game and then it's so quickly figured out of like, oh, Edward is dating Bella, so he's going to be protective of her. Now he's made her the forbidden fruit, so now he's going to hunt her. And like Edward, well, it's convenient. He's like, I read mine, so this is what's happening. Which is the most indulgent, low fantasy thing. Sure. Like, I read mine, so therefore the plot is going to go like this. Like, it's just the simplest plot device ever. But I mean, like, if you think about it, Bella is a metaphor for kind of a sexual awakening, right? Mm -hmm. Because she rejects all the idiots. She defeats the, like, or she is saved from the dragon by her knight in shining armor. And then he is a gentleman to the last. It's, it is fantasy in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And he can also read minds, but just not hers. It's, it's just like, it, it, it I'm shaking my is I'm shaking my head, but I like it. Well, that's the thing. It's just kind of like, like the the story is like I didn't say I was going to try anything special. I'm just going to do it basic, and I'm going to just do it as best I can. It's like that's, that's a stretch. Well, this story I can't see being done much better. Um. Okay. This is where Ryan and Kelly rewrite the movie. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. I think this story gets better if you make Bella more likable. And I don't mean that Kristen Stewart played her wrong. And I don't, I haven't read the book. So, you know, give me a break for a second. But if Bella is kind of more... If she has more personality than just, uh, I'm emo and I kind of moon over this guy. But if she's like, like, let's say she plays a sport or heaven forbid, like likes academia or is a book nerd or 
is just like maybe she's a really cool kid at school like any of these things other than her entire life revolving around falling in love with edward cullen i think it would be a more interesting story because we're seeing this person who has no life basically be like well thank god there's vampires around but if there was an actual like division where she was like well i have my normal life and that's pretty great but i'm also torn because i am in love with this guy over here who's super dangerous and she's torn between those lives isn't that more interesting than my life sucks entirely but there's vampires so you're trying to take this story and drag it up into the middle brow territory with no, stuff I'm saying like that, that it could be. Yeah, I'm I'm I know. I'm saying that this the story has the potential for that. Um but it's destroyed by lines like when she talks to her mom and her mom's Ew. like But tell me more about your school. Now what are the kids like? Are there any cute guys? Are they being nice to you? Well, they're all very welcoming. Uh-oh. Tell me all about it. It doesn't even matter. Yes, it does. And it's like, yeah, they have been. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, no. they, like everybody loves you and it's your first day of school. That never yeah. happened to me. It took two years for I me know. to I be know. liked in high school. I mean, that's the, that's my point is that I don't see it very intentionally wants to be good, low art. And I'm saying as well, that. You as asked the question. I think you could make a good middle brow movie out of you this. Could, you, yeah. You can make a middle brow version. Could you make a better low brow version? Maybe a little bit better. Maybe. Like yeah. you could you could eliminate certain flaws. Like I think the biggest problem this movie has is the antagonist problem where he just kind of like comes out of nowhere and the third act is suddenly about this guy. I think that's the only thing that you could have fixed and still maintain the low brow pleasures of it because I think the biggest problem of this movie is that she didn't crack a rainier with her dad. <laughs> He was drinking that, and I was like, oh, my God, I drink the same beer as him. I know. Rainier is great. Um, I mean, it's not great, but it's it's the best cheap beer. Yeah. Um, Gil Birmingham was in this movie for such a short time. I bet he's in it more next time, mm-hmm. like when we get more into the wolves. That's why I think it's – I'm going to just confess. It's good at what it's doing. Is it good? Not necessarily. But it's good. It's what it's doing. Hey, Ryan, can I ask you what your favorite scene was in this movie? Um, ladies. <laughs> when Edward shows up. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite. It's got to be favorite in a very cult classic appreciation. Like I actually like the scene, and you're you're slowly winning me over to like the hate watch way of watching something um this is because you can still like it when you hate watch something you can still love parts of it yeah this is the closest i'm getting to hate watching it because like a a christmas prince i just hate it i don't enjoy watching what i'm watching (laughs) but twilight it's just kind of like god you're cheesy but it's like uh i don't know what it's but that's okay I I I get a strange pleasure from watching him just whisk her away up the forest, just super motion, super fast motion, and then having this big monologue of "I'm a vampire" and just taking his shirt 
ripping his shirt wide open and letting the sun sparkle on his skin. There's That's something a cool effect. I actually really like that. <laughs> There's something like <laughs> Ryan's blushing for everybody out here. <laughs> I strangely like it. I don't want to watch it again, but but you it, like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a too. low art pleasure. Uh it, it reminds me of um well, I, I, I firmly believe that like most Batman is good comic books. It's nice like middle brow art. But there's this Batman well, it's not a Batman, it's a it's a cross universe DC Marvel comic book called um Amalgam. Um and it was it was called originally DC versus Marvel, and then they combined the universes and like Superman and Captain America became one hero and Wolverine and Batman became one hero. And it's as low art as it's not as low art as comics get, but it's like it's just there for the fun of it. And mm-hmm. I feel like this movie is just there for the feelings of it. Yeah. Uh also <laughs> what is up with the music supervision on this movie? Like oh. it's trying so hard to grab you and me. They're like, "Hey, we got Muse." We got Muse over here. You're like you like Bonnie Vare? They're coming in the next one. And the, the was Radiohead in this? The most ridiculous one was Radiohead. Yeah, I honestly thought there was something wrong with my AV system. I <laughs> honestly thought my receiver clicked on to a different input, and I had left on my computer playing Radiohead because I was playing that album like a couple days ago. I'm like, wait, yeah. did like the input switch, and is it playing like? Not only is it playing Radiohead, it is playing the most arbitrary Radiohead song. I know. And and it's in such an arbitrary moment of the like, it's the last moment of the movie. And it's where the the only bad vampire that like we care about being bad left is watching them at the prom and walks down some stairs. And it's like directed by Captain Hardwick. And it's like, it is the most inappropriate it's, song. It's so stupid. It does not match the tone of that moment in any way, shape no, or form. No, not at all. And yet, and yet there's something idiosyncratic about it where it's just like, this is wrong, but there's somehow character to this. from yeah. This weird well, mishmash it, because of it fits audio in the visual. movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It somehow, it, it's like, it's like if you, if you look at like a, a clown outfit and you're like, none of that goes together, but it somehow works because it's a clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the features dead, Angela. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Hey Ryan, uh, we, we've talked a lot about this movie, but what is your rom-com Oscar? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, best skin. Oh, nice. I, well, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm, mine's very similar. Mine's close to that. Best pancake makeup. Dang it. That's mine. I already. No, you got to pick something different. I picked. No, one. no, it's a double jeopardy. Answer. Daily double. Pew, 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 pew. Um, my, because like the vampires' makeup, they're everybody's so white. She's so white. I don't mm-hmm. believe for a second that she lived in Arizona. Yeah, but like they they do a lot of desaturation to skin tones and the color correction. Like, did you notice when she was wearing her blue dress and she came down the stairs? Yeah. Like she was white as a sheet compared to that dress. 
Um, and the, I think the makeup help apartment department really helped out in that, especially with the other vampires where they're just like, they're, I mean, they're, they're white people as it is, but like they're, man, they're white as ghosts. <laughs> they're the color correction with the, the makeup works really effectively. Cause it also it does really look did. like the Pacific Northwest of what it looks like. Like, it's kind of like, you don't really understand what it is like to live under cloud cover for so long, but it just has this desaturated look throughout your world and sometimes that really pops the greens and like the sky when it's blue um it really makes it feel alive underneath in this weird way but yeah but there is this kind of it's almost comfortable but it's also cold yeah yeah but the the vampires look pale but they don't look unnaturally pale they just they don't pale and there's a part in rosemary's baby where she's oh she is just drained yeah and it's when she gets really sick right yeah and it looks really artificial like you can see where they stopped doing her makeup near her neckline and it just doesn't look right like it looks really exaggerated but there's something strange about twilight where they don't look exaggerated in their their skin tone even though you can t- clearly tell that they're very pale. They just look like they spent most of their years living in Iceland in the winter. But still somewhat supernatural. Yeah, it, there's just like a it's a hint and part of it's the makeup and the high cheekbones of all the actors I think um and I, again, like I kind of can't wait for New Moon, which is the second one, because I want to see how they like mix the like First Nations, like Native American vibe into werewolves. Like this is exciting for me to see like how they do that transformation, because I bet it's all CG, but I really want to. Is it going to really be like want- Animorphs? I really, I really want the makeup department to be a big part of that because they seem to do pretty good with the vamps, but I don't know if that's the case. I I will, I will kind of say like us doing this episode, we have, you and I have a memory of when these movies came out and what the cultural, you know, momentum was. And it was, and it was big. I do think these movies will live on for several decades. And I think young girls will return to it the way that guys have returned to other not great action franchises and just other things that aren't great, but somehow persist. And the imitators will die. No one will go back to the imitators. Yeah. I think there's going to be far fewer people watching 50 shades of gray than twilight. Well, even 50 shades of gray might, might last a longer, but don't you remember all those like interlopers of like, um, there was that school for vampire girls, like vamp school vampire or Academy. something, vampire Academy. And like, there's other just weird Gothic YA which, fantasy which might, wannabes. It might, well, it might be better than this. We have no idea, but it just, the, there won't be much of a fan base to sustain it's not a it. cultural touchstone. No. Yeah. And there's not going to be a cult to bring it back into the four, but I think the twilight movies will always have, a consistency of like, I don't think it's ever going to go away fully. It's always just going to be around. I think a testament to that is um, how many books uh, were printed and how many DVDs were made. Because if you go to any like coastal hotel or like maybe a European um, hostel, you'll always, you'll find always a see a Twilight. book or a movie. It's always going to be there. Yeah. They're like, um, they're like, uh, 
uh, not bad Stephen King, worse than Stephen King. Um, uh, just those bad cop books that you will always see. Um, or like Dean Koontz books. You'll always find or a Dean Koontz book Janet somewhere. Yeah, you'll always see yeah. that around. Um, and I, I think the other factor is Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are going to be among the Hollywood yeah. mm-hmm. um, elite, elite for a long time. And it'll always be ranking Robert Pattinson's movies. And there always has to be a mention of Twilight. And same thing right. with Kristen right. Stewart. They have always mm-hmm. got to talk about... Oh, it all started with Twilight, but since and, then she's gone. Da 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 da. You know, uh, I have to say, like um, Kristen Stewart, uh, where where Robert Pattinson, it seemed like he was like, no, look at all the different things I can do. Kristen Stewart, from from what I've seen so far of um, other indie films that she's done, she does very similar work, but she's just gotten much much better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't wait to see like where this goes. Maybe we'll see them together again in a movie one day. That'd be interesting. I do want to like, for the record, shout out some movies that you should go watch um, that have case do is Kristen Stewart. If you didn't know, that's her. That was her nomenclature back in the day. It's case do um, camp X-ray is a really good indie film. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Did you see that? I did. I really liked it. I really did too. Um, I thought it was way underrated. Yeah, well, it wasn't even rated. I barely heard about it. <laughs> but it was really good. Camp X-Ray was really good. And then Clouds of Sils Maria, also very good. I, I, well, I, for me, I'd like to, I, I, I have kind of liked it. I gave, I actually reviewed that for Willamette Week and I gave it a C. <laughs> oh. Um, but, but I thought she was good in it. Yeah. 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 It's like, if anyone's still questioning whether she's a good actress, it's like, no, no, we have, we've got a bag of films that she's a great actress in. Um, and you know, we both will say at least those two. And then Robert Pattinson, um, Lost City of Z, he has the most humble role in that movie. Does. It, it's in the opposite of movie star role. It's you would usually just cast a character actor, you would cast someone who was no name. It's such a small role, but it is there's plenty to do acting wise. You would get a good character actor. This, this is a um, a message to all like big time directors who are never going to listen to this. Start casting stars in your character actors' roles and start casting characters actors as your lead. Mm-hmm. Like like not in every movie, like sometimes you need somebody to carry something. I get that, but like sometimes those make the best movies. Yeah. And Robert Pattinson acts circles around Charlie Hunnam in that. He really movie. does. And I think he's so much more interesting to observe than Charlie Hunnam. I'd rather watch Robert Pattinson and it was so sad that it wasn't about his character. Me too. Um, and then the lighthouse just, yeah. I mean, if there's incredible, if there's any such thing as a tour de force for any actor, like that is it for both him and, um, why well, I can't, I think of his name, the William goblin Defoe. man. Yeah. Yes. The green goblin. <laughs> and if there's any question about Willem Dafoe, do not bring it to us because Willem Dafoe, just watch Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. <laughs> he is a god. He is a god among men. That face. Those crags. You know, I want to make a comparison to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I, you and I had have had many debates about the MCU, and I've, I've gotten so bored with the MCU. And I always point to the first Spider-Man with Willem Dafoe as like, that's my preferred comic book movie, because I think 
that Spider-Man movie has the same kind of intentionality and earnestness that Twilight does, where it's like, we're not trying anything special or literary. We're just going to go hard on what this genre demands. Right. And the the what you need is people who are casting. You, what you need is the sincerity of the filmmakers in that original one with the good casting that they have over at Marvel now. Yeah. Because if you had a Tom Holland based like Spider-Man in the original Tobey Maguire's. Like, I, I think it would just feel more realistic because it's hard for me to watch those films and not be like, Tobey Maguire is way too old to be in high school. Yeah. But isn't Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin so much more interesting than all of the villains in the way MCU? Way more interesting. There's yeah. so much more fun and pleasure out of watching his performance. Yes. So, and and anyway. I, I really do love those Raimi films. They're they're really good. Yeah. Um, okay, Ryan, it's really important that we finally get here. Mm-hmm. And this could change. Don't worry. This is just the first movie. Who would you fall in love with in Twilight? I'm if if anybody can't see me right now, I'm in a purple velour suit and I'm playing the saxophone for Ryan in a dark room. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. I would fall in love with Anna Kendrick. Yeah, okay. Just the boobs, mainly. <laughs> Bella Swan is not what I'm looking for in a woman. <laughs> it's mostly because she's not Bella. <laughs> okay, well, I would so- even settle with the not named girl that was not as famous as Anna Kendrick or um, Kristen Stewart, whoever, whoever the third friend is. No, no Edward Cullen love, huh? Uh, also, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that's not a bad pick with uh, Anna Kendrick, because I feel like she's she's nice and cool, and you know she's mooning after an idiot, but she'll be done with him soon. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's all about Alice. Is Alice the one who's like, oh, don't worry, we'll be friends. She's we'll she's the elf. Friends. Yeah, she's she's half. She was an elf who was bit and now has become a vampire. <laughs> she's is, um, is that really what it is? No, uh, I mean, not. she seems like it. She's just like elfish. She's just got like kind of an elfish quality. Um, she's just nice and she flits from place to place. She's very supportive of Edward and her. She uh, she almost sucks Bella dry for a second, but then she steps back because she knows she sh- she shouldn't. And she also like seems like tough and she's got visions and that's fun. Yeah, I like her. Although my 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 close second would be Edward. Um mainly because in a superhero sense, I always like the characters who are faster than everybody else. And mm. I I like that that's his thing. It's like not only does he read minds and he might be not be as strong as like a couple of the other vamps, but he's like super fast. That's awesome. Super fast. So that was Twilight, folks. Um Ryan, would you rather, like, just based on this first movie, would you rather be a vampire or a werewolf? Well, we didn't get a lot of action of what the werewolf gets to do, so I yeah. have to say vampire. So ask me, me next too. time. Me too. All right, Ryan, it's time to pick next week's film. Give me a number from 1 to uh, 157. Wow. Do we really have 157 choices on our Actually, we list? have 159 because a couple people wrote in this week. Oh, um, who wrote it? Yeah, in? we we have uh, Laura Lee Williams Moore. Um, she 
has a recommendation for a romantic sci-fi from John Carpenter called Starman. Oh, okay. Are you familiar with that? I I just watched a trailer for it. It's um, it looks good. It's got Karen Allen in it. Ooh. I mean, it looks hokey, but it's definitely a romance, and it's kind of about a a the government sends a probe out into space trying to get aliens to contact them. And so an alien comes to earth and falls in love with Karen Allen and like takes the form of her dead husband, I think. So yeah, it looks romantic at least. I don't know about funny. Actually, it does look kind of funny. And then the other one is from Becca Kane. Good friend of the pod, Becca Kane. Hey, what's up, Becca? Um, She said she recommends the half of it, which I believe is a Netflix movie. I've seen the half of it. You've seen the half of it. Okay. Well, it's going on our list. Unless, yeah. unless it isn't already. Let's Becca Kane and Laura Lee Williams more. Thank Welcome you. Welcome to the pod. Yes. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, okay. Give me a number between one and 159. 111. They came together. <laughs> now, what is this movie? Is oh. this, this is a couple of, um, it's a rom-com parody. SNL. It's a, kids? it's Paul Rudd and, yeah. um, Amy Poehler. Oh, and okay. it's, it's All like right. a rom-com as I understand it, it's like a rom-com parody film. Okay, so we're going from the most sincere movie to the most insincere. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, all right, my friend. Well, um, hold on. Instead of saying I love you, I'm just going to moon at you for a couple seconds. Okay, I'm going to do right now. One or three, two, one, moon. That was nice. <laughs> that wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Yeah, not on radio. They made it look so nice in the movie. All right, well, I'm going to say goodbye to you traditionally, too. Okay. All right, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, hold on. I, I might put this at the at the end after the credits. Um, my favorite part of the of the movie was when they were sitting in the the diner, not the diner, but the restaurant having dinner, and like Edwards being like, "Oh yeah, I can read minds, sex, money." Sex, money, cats. <laughs> I love that guy's face. He just looks, he, he looked like he was thinking about his cat. <laughs> he really was thinking about his cat. All right. Now we can, we can turn it off now. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. Debussy. Debussy. <laughs> that was lovely. Yeah, Claire de Lune is great. Yeah, I really like Claire de Lune. <laughs>